it's really good to see you today. Do you know that most pastors have nightmares from time to time? One is that they get up there to preach and they realize, I'm still in my pajamas. And I, but I know you'd want me to be, this, these are not my pajamas, by the way, just in case you're, this is just a joke. And the other one is that they come to church and there's nobody there that Sunday morning. But you're here, look at you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> it's lovely to have you here. Um, so there are some lovely things happening. I don't know if you know that or not, at Forest View Church. There are some wonderful things happening. Summer camp is starting tomorrow. And uh, there are kids who are going to be coming here, and they're going to hear about Jesus, and stuff's going to be happening. And we need you to pray, all right? This, uh, a lot of the kids who come are from the neighborhood, not from the church. And so we need you to pray that God will take the seeds that are being planted and help them to grow. Will you pray? I see a lot of heads. Good. And now you have to do it. Uh, the other thing is um, that the building is getting ready to be renewed. And that's a really good thing. Um, also, the search team is hard at work. There were a couple of interviews a couple of weeks ago, and there are going to be a couple more interviews coming up, I think, in about two weeks' time. So pray for this, okay? Pray that the Lord will bring the person that we need here at Forest View to lead us on into the next really fruitful chapter. And then I think some of you were here a couple of weeks ago when we heard that the, the, the ministry work that's done at Next Door, which is this um, really lovely uh, spot uh, down in Aldershot where there's the bicycle shop and a cafe and a lot of stuff happening there, Bible studies and all kinds of uh, ESL classes and all kinds of stuff, that one of the persons who comes there uh, trusted Christ a couple of weeks ago. She opened her heart up, asked Jesus to come into her life to be her savior and the one who forgive her sins and the Lord of her life to lead her forward. So God is on the move, folks. You with me? <laughs> this is good news. So I want us to pause and to pray for a minute here. And um, let's do it. Our Lord, our Lord, great God of the whole universe, you are so great and so awesome and so powerful. And yet in our lives, we are still struggling with things, every one of us. So we want to lay those things down before you just now. Thank you that in your word you say... Um, that we can cast all our burdens upon you because you care for us. You, the God of the universe, you really care for us. How amazing is this? So I pray, Lord, that whatever things are on our hearts just now, whatever people, whatever struggles, whatever difficulties, Lord, that we'll remember you are good. You've promised you will never leave us or forsake us. And that we will lay those things down at your feet now and with our hearts wide open, we'll be ready to hear from you what you have for us today out of your precious word. Lord, work whatever healing in our hearts and minds you need to work this morning. You know exactly who we are and where we are. And grant us the strength to follow you, Lord, even when it feels like we don't have any strength. Thank you that in our weakness, you're strong because your grace is sufficient for us. Pour your grace out today. 
we pray, Lord God. We ask that you'll bless the good work of the camp this week and on through the summer, that kids will come and hear about Jesus and love you back, Lord, and begin to follow you. We pray for the search team that you will give your divine guidance and insight to lead forward and find uh, the person, Lord, that you have for us next to come as lead pastor and work with the team that is here to really honor you. Pray for the building project here, Lord, that as things get moved out and new things are happening here, that these will really serve you and your purposes in powerful ways. And uh, so we thank you for all these things, and we give ourselves to you this morning and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to remind you of one other thing, and then we're going to look at the Word of God here, and that is that over the last five weeks, we've been studying six weeks, really, this little book surprised the world. And this was not meant as a one-off kind of thing. Read the book, then forget it. Don't worry. It's good, good while we had it. This is meant to be, these five practices are meant to become like daily habits or weekly habits of our lives, things that have become ingrained in us so that we just become people who are blessing others, like routinely in our lives. And routinely also, we're eating with others and spending time with them and getting to know them and love them and having a chance to share Christ. And then listening to the Holy Spirit for his guidance and wisdom, uh, learning Jesus Christ more, saturating ourselves in the Gospels and learning more and more about Jesus and what he, was, what, he's, what he was like and is like so that we can become more like him. And uh, so I just wanted to remind you of this. Um, if you got the book, it'd be great to read it again this summer and to keep it into practice, in putting it into practice. And the last S, it's bells, right? B-E-L-L-S, bless, eat, listen to the Holy Spirit, learn more of Christ. And what's the S again? We're sent out into the world. And Jefferson did a good job on that a few weeks ago. We're a sent people out into the world. Now, um, we're in the Psalms for the summer. And uh, these are not just fillers, okay? Um, the Psalms are some of the best loved um, truths in the whole Bible. This is what Martin Luther said about um, the Psalms. The Christian can learn to pray in the Psalter, Psalter, fancy word for the Psalms. For here, we can hear how the saints talk with God. The number of moods which are expressed in the Psalms, the number of moods that are expressed in the Psalms, joy, suffering, hope, care, anger, lament, and lament is not complaining. It's really interesting, the difference. Complaining is just when we're upset about something and just, you know, we complain. Complaining, has, if you look through the Bible, complaining has never been something much in favor of God. But lament is a different thing because we bring what's wrong and what's broken and we're bringing it to God. We're lamenting, we're bringing it to God. We're not just complaining about things. There is a difference. Anyway, this is Martin Luther. He says this. All of these things, all of these different moods make it possible for every Christian to find himself or herself in the Psalms and to pray these Psalms back to God. I sent you a little note in the, in the weekly uh, letter that goes out that the Psalms speak to us. 
we read them and we find, like, has this person been reading my emails and my texts or what? Because what we see is that our own thoughts, our own feelings, our innermost sort of uh, stuff is expressed in the Psalms. Well, after all, it is the word of God, isn't it? And we see, too, that the Psalms not only speak to us, but they speak for us. Because many of us have prayed these Psalms back to God. They seem to be the best expression of our soul as we approach God. So we're going to be looking, looking at the Psalms, and I ask you to read these things. You'll, the, the numbers that we're doing from week to week, I'd like you to really read them before the, before the Sunday comes, so you're a little familiar with them. Um, just a few words about the Psalms, first of all. Uh, one is that this, these Psalms are poems, and they're different kinds of poems than we're used to today. So if we look at the deep theological poem of today, Mary had a little lamb, his fleece was white as snow, and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. There's rhyme and there's meter, right? Rhyme and rhythm. That is not how it is in Hebrew poetry. In Hebrew poetry, it's line upon line comparing, contrasting, and building upon one another. There's a parallelism that happens. So you're not going to find rhyming, but you're going to find that ideas come and are grown and built upon and contrasted as we go. So the first line of the poetry is clarified or completed or contrasted by the second line. Second thing that I want to say about, um, about the Psalms is that since they're poetry, we don't approach them like we would the historical books or the teaching books. They, um, we're we're going to be looking for figures of speech uh, and literary uh, things happening. So we'll see today in the, in the one that we're looking at, Psalm 1, that the people who follow God, love God and follow God, are like a tree. That's a simile, Right? So we're not a tree, but we're like a tree planted by streams of water. And um, we'll see also the people who reject God and don't include him are like the chaff. And chaff is this stuff that's sort of the leftover when you take the, when you take the kernel of wheat out. The chaff is the thing you just blow away. It's useless. So these are similes and metaphors that actually slow us down in the reading of the Bible. And you know what? It's good to slow down because this is where we start to meditate. And meditating is when we take time to think, oh, what does it mean? We're like a tree. Oh, that's what it means. And so we meditate on those things and we go deeper. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And the last thing I want to say about Psalms is that they are songs. This is actually the hymnal of the, of the scriptures. They, uh, many of these were sung. And the Hebrew Bible, uh, the Psalms are called the Tehillim, which means songs of praise. So when we were singing this song this morning about songs of praise, that's exactly what it is. And when the Greeks translated the Hebrew Bible, uh, it was called the Septuagint, the Psalms were called Psalmoi, which means plucking of strings with the finger, which has something to do with music, right? So anyway, they are, they are songs. Now, Psalm 1, uh, where I've named it the fork in the road, and here it is. I'd like to ask if you'd stand with me, please, and let's read it together, okay? 
We stand out of respect and love for the word of God. So let's do it together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Now let's pause there for a minute. I bet every one of us here we're saying, we're saying right now, oh man, I don't read the Bible enough. I really don't. I should be delighting in it like this. Okay, let's set the guilt aside for a minute and let's see what God is calling us to for our good. It's not about guilt. Oh, you should, should, you shouldn't, you didn't. It's all about, oh, here's an option for us that feeds us and builds us up and makes us like a tree. Well, let's see what, what that person, verse three, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. So here's the contrast, right? Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Lord, we hunger and thirst for you, just as Christy read to us before, as the deer pants for the water brooks. So our souls long for you, O God. Feed us now, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. You may be seated. So, um, when we start reading the Psalms, we start with the very wisdom of God. And that is that God knows what is good for us. He's made us, he's built us, he, he knows us intimately, and he knows what's really gonna work for us, what's gonna help to make our life better here, and of course, eternal life going on into the future. So some people might ask, and I've heard this question, is God kinda egocentric? Like, is he sitting up there in heaven waiting for us, praise me, praise me, praise me? Is he like a megalomaniac who has to have people bowing before him and telling him how wonderful he is and all this kind of stuff? Well, the truth is that we are worshiping creatures. All of us. Everybody. We all worship something or someone. And God, in his wisdom, says... I know what's actually going to satisfy you. All the other pursuits that people make in the world and so on, they're not deeply satisfying. But I know what's really going to satisfy you, and that's that you were made for connection with me. So when God asks us to praise him and focus on him and so on, it's way less about him and way more about us. This is what we need. We need this connection with the living God. And so that's what he gives to us. God says, I know what you're looking for, and you will be blessed, you will be full, and you'll be set straight if you keep coming after me. The truth is that as surely as we are unshakably loved by God, we are also undeniably bent people. 
Saint Augustine put it this way. He described people as incurvatus in se, meaning curved in on ourselves. That's what he said. And isn't true that scripture and the history of humanity points to this indisputable truth that we are crooked. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. But God has laid on him the sins of us all, on Christ. The bad news is we're all curved, we're all crooked, but it is possible to be set straight, to be on the path of the living God that leads to life eternal. So, um, when we look at this psalm then, we see that you will be blessed if you, you'll, be, you'll be set straight, you'll be put on the path of the Lord if you do these things and don't do the other things. Um, to set straight, the idea is one of, you know, like if you have a broken bone or something like this. One of our daughters fell off a, a big play set when she was a little kid. She landed on her arm and she had a, a green tree fracture, I think they called it. And so it wasn't set right. And um, it ended up that her arm is actually a little bit crooked. And um, we're just thinking that when something gets broken, you want it to be set straight again, right? And since we're broken, we want to be set straight onto the path of the living God. So in order to do this, there are certain things that God prohibits, and there are certain things that he tells us we need to do. So let's first of all look at the things that, that God prohibits. Um, three things, really. What he says here is um, uh, that the way of the righteous... The, those who believe God and choose to follow him. So we'll, we'll go to verse one here. Blessed is the one who does not walk, so there's a negative, in, the, in step with the wicked or stand in the way that, that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. These three things are really one thing. It's, this is the parallelism of the three things. And what it means is that we do not absorb the influence into our lives of those who leave God out of the equation. Does this make sense? That there's a whole ton of that stuff out there for us, and we're exposed to it all the time. It's just that God is saying, you know what, if you really want to be blessed and want to walk on my path, don't let all that stuff be absorbed into our lives and begin to follow that. So there's a progression that happens here. It's the counsel uh, or, or, or the, the moral principles that are out there in the world. It's the way of sinners, I think that's how uh, that it puts here, and it's the seat of mockers. And if you see the progression, it's like, first of all, we're just walking, and we're just sort of looking, we're walking by. And then the second step is, we don't just walk by, we actually stand there for a while. We're actually with them. And then the third piece of progression is what? We're seated right there, man. We're, we're just right down in this thing. It becomes a part of us. And God is saying to us, let's not do that. So we're all bent. So I want to tell you how bent I am, okay? And I'm going to go to a driving illustration here. A few weeks ago, I was coming up uh, Bronte here, and I was going about 60, 
And a guy went flying by me in a really hot sports car. And I thought, oh man, I hope there's a copper up here to pick him up because he's just flying. And you know what? There was a black police pickup truck. Just a pickup truck, no markings at all, sitting on the side of the road. And as this guy went flying by, didn't the pickup truck come out with his cherry on top and so on? And I'm thinking, oh yeah, you got him. Then, a couple of weeks ago, Ruth and I were traveling on a uh, rural road and I was going over the speed limit. Confession time. Okay. Now, I was doing that because I know that I'm in the top 5% of all drivers in the world. And did you know that 95% of all males know that they're in the top 5% of drivers in the world? And actually, there's a high number of women who think the same thing. So don't you ladies laugh at us. But anyway, I was going over the speed limit. And sure enough, there's an OPP officer right there. He pulled out, and I'm just full of remorse. Was I full of remorse, Ruth? I really was. So anyway, this guy came up, and um, he talked with us. He took all the information, went back to his cruiser, and he came back. And you know what? I was on my way to the funeral of one of my cousins, and I told him so. I'm always dressed in a tie and this kind of thing. And he came back to me a little bit later, and he said, I'm not going to charge you. But I want you to think about the irony of this, that you are on your way to the funeral of a cousin, and you're putting your life and your wife's life in danger and the life of other people on the road. I was very humbled. Now, what's the point of all this? The point is, I wanted justice for that guy who passed me. But you know what I wanted for myself? Mercy. We're crooked. I mean, we're all crooked. Shouldn't we be longing for mercy for everybody? Really? God brings his reign to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. So, we're crooked. How are we crooked? And how do we get caught in the counsel and the way and the seat of sinners and mockers and so on? Well, mockers are people who laugh at God's principles and God's truths. And uh, I would say one of the things, you know, that they would laugh at is for you to invest your money in the church or in God's kingdom. They would laugh at you. They would mock. Do you know what? What are you doing that for? Giving your money to God and to the church? What are you doing that for? And we hear Jesus say, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves break through and steal and all that stuff, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And we can get caught up in this. Our our church is behind in budget right now. We are. But we can get caught up in the thing. I I got some stats here uh, this week. That is in Canada, the average Canadian owes $1.70 for every dollar of take-home pay. The average Canadian owes $1.70 for every dollar in take-home pay. The average donation of a Canadian to charity is $300 a year. We're making a lot of money. And um, God says to us, you are stewards of, the, of all that I give you. And uh, the work of God 
It is part of your investment in this world. I learned this when I was a kid. <clears throat> My mom and dad, <clears throat> I think I need some water. I'm a dry preacher today, Cole. Thank you. Um, so my mom and dad had a little jar on, in the kitchen that had a big capital L and capital T on it. I said, well, what is this for? Because it had money in it, right? And they said, well, this is the Lord's treasury. I said, well, what is that? They said, thank you, Cole. Appreciate it. And they said, well, this is our, our tithe. So what's a tithe? They said, well, it's 10%. As soon as we get paid, we take 10%. And this was in the days of cash. Does anybody remember cash? Like people, okay, yeah. So, uh, and they said, we take 10% right off the top and we put it in this jar. And then we put it in week by week through the month. And then we get more next month. So this principle really started very early for us. And Ruth and I have done this our whole married life. The first 10%, goes right to the Lord, actually goes to the church. And then, as we've been able, we give offerings over on top of that. It's just become a pattern for us, and it's a joy. Do you know that? But it's really easy to get sucked into the world's mentality, right? I need more, I need more. I don't have any left over for, for, for God and his purposes in the world. So here's what the Lord says. Um, don't let the influence of those who don't know God, don't let that soak in and don't go that way. So those are the prohibitions, okay? And um, the essence of our faith is not negative. But for our own good, sometimes we need negatives, don't we? Let's praise God for the warnings as well as the positive instructions that the Lord gives us. So let's look at the positive things. What does God promote? And here's what he promotes. We'll read this. But those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night, those are the people who are blessed. Now, what does this mean? Um, it means that those who delight in God and his word and his ways, those are the people who will be blessed. Now, when this was written, we don't know exactly who wrote this one. David wrote a lot of the Psalms, but we don't know about this one. Um, the law would have been the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And that, because that was all they had. And what it was, was that was what God had revealed to them so far. They had natural revelation, like the creation, right? The beautiful creation. But what they had revealed to them was the first five books of the Bible, the law. So that's what he writes here. Now, no text of Scripture stands alone. You with me? That Scripture has to be compared and contrasted and put together with other ones. What we know now is that it's not just the law, of course, but that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and the Psalms. And so what he's really saying here is that we delight in all that God has revealed to us in the scriptures, that we delight in these things. Now, we use the word delight in many ways, I think. We talk about donut delight. I don't know whether that's a delight for you or not. We probably say we delight in our kids, even though when our kids were younger, I know we delighted in them, but there was one of our kids who we wondered what jail we were going to visit him in eventually. But you know what? He's a, he's a lovely young man now. He really is. But you know, the, the thing is we delight in our kids. 
And I remember one time we, our kids were in a, a, a 500 voice choir and one was a soprano, one was an alto, and one was a tenor. And when they came in, 500 kids across here, and Ruth and I are looking around, we go, bang, there's Julie. There's Nan. Oh, there's Ben. Look. And we delight in them. And even now, when I see my kids, my heart skips a beat. There are things that we, and people that we delight in. Do we delight in the revelation of God? The truth, the living, wonderful truth that God has given us Delight in God and his word and his ways. We read it. We marinate in it. I love that word from the last series we were talking about. Just letting it soak into us and letting us soak into it. So that's sort of like if you have an anger problem, you don't just keep getting angry. You say, what does the Bible say about anger? Proverbs chapter 15. What does that say? And then you memorize this thing and you meditate on it. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Oh, there's, this is wisdom, man. This is really beautiful. So we memorize it and we think about it and we, we meditate upon these things. Meditation, the image that's often used is a cow chewing its cud. You know that idea, right? They chew, they get the food in, they chew it up, and they swallow it down. And then they throw it up again and chew it some more and swallow it down again. And they have several sort of pouches in there that they do this in. It's sort of like what we do with the Bible. We, we get it in here, and then we chew it over. We think about it. I have a silly illustration from Mary Poppins. Uh, in Mary Poppins... Uh, Dick Van Dyke is this really, really old banker, elderly banker, and his, em his employee has just been fired, okay? So the employee, now that he's fired, he wants to tell a joke. So he starts telling this story about a man with a wooden leg named Smith. And then the other guy says, and what was the name of his other leg? Do, do you remember that line? Do you ever see Mary Poppins? So it's a misplaced modifier, right? And so Dick Van Dyke, doesn't, he doesn't get the joke. So the conversation continues, but he just goes over and over this thing. A man with a wooden leg named Smith. What was the name of his other leg? A man with a wooden leg. He goes over and over and over until finally he gets it. And then he just starts to laugh uproariously, right? That's meditation. <laughs> when we get into the word of God and we just go over it and over it and over it and then we get it, we say, ah, oh, Thank you, God. This is beautiful. This is powerful. And so, so helpful. So, delighting in God, instead of delighting in the philosophies and stuff of the world that so easily grab us, we delight in God and his word and his ways. And what's the result? The right result is found in verse 3 here, that um, that person uh, who believes God and chooses to follow him is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers. So I'd like to propose that what this means for us is that a thriving, abundant life, like a tree that's planted by streams of water. 
If you know your Bible, Jeremiah 17 talks about this very same image of a tree that's just soaking in the water and, and just very fruitful like this. Now, the interesting thing is, a tree does not go looking for water. This tree is planted right by the streams of water. And it's an image for us to not let this thing get away from us, but for us to be planted right here in the truth of the living God so that we're soaking it in more and more and more. And um, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, takes the Word of God and helps the sons and daughters of God to become more like the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, all to the glory of God. The Lord uses his word. So God uses his word to straighten our path, to help us in the crookedness of our lives to straighten our path. So to read, at least it means to read this book regularly and to ask the Lord for his wisdom and insight. So I'm going to be going to Africa in August and uh, I'll be over there for two weeks and training a bunch of pastors there. And um, what I have found, this is in, uh, we're actually going to be in quite rural Africa this time around. In Kenya, we've been in Nairobi other times, but this is way on the western, uh, in Nyanza and western province. And what we find is that a lot of people out in those rural areas, they don't have Bibles. They'd love to have Bibles, but they don't have Bibles. They're craving to read the Bible. How many Bibles do you have at home? I got a bunch of them. I bet you do too. So there's not a lot of difference between a person who has a bunch of Bibles and doesn't read them and a person who has no Bible and doesn't read it because he can't. Actually, the difference is that the person who doesn't have one is craving for it and delighting in it whenever he gets it or she gets it. So this result that we're talking about here is this thriving, abundant life. So I want to ask, what kind of a tree are you? Are you sitting by the stream and lapping this up and enjoying it and delighting in this and loving it? Or is this like a duty that you have to do? Oh man, quiet time again. Ah. Or is it something that you just delight in and hunger and thirst for? And um, you know, it says here that it yields fruit in its season. That means it takes time. And sometimes I think we get impatient. I tried it. I tried reading the Bible. Nothing changed inside me. You know, it's yielding fruit in its season. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love and joy and peace. Wouldn't you like more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? And as we work through the scripture more and more, the Holy Spirit is working these things into our lives. And when it says here that its leaf will not wither, this is a, a real acknowledgement that we have adverse conditions in our lives. This is not like an easy pie in the sky kind of thing that life's going to be easy for you, everything's going to thrive and everything prosper. This is an acknowledgement that even in adverse conditions, God is with us 
He will carry us through. He sustains us. And I know this is the case for numbers of you as we sit here this morning. You, you look beautiful. You look great. But I know in many of your lives, there's stuff that's happening. There are difficulties that you're going through. There are addictions. There's depression. For numbers of you, there have been losses of loved ones who've been very, very precious to you. And it's the Lord God who sustains us when things are dr- like a drought, its leaf will not wither. God is with us, holding us through at all. That's the way of the righteous. Now, it's interesting that the scripture also lets us know the way of the wicked. Those who um, don't bother with God those who uh, think that they know better than God, the way of those who reject God and his ways are also very clear in this text of Scripture. And it goes like this. Uh, Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. I was going to bring... The wheat's not ready yet. I was going to bring a peanut today, but I thought somebody might have a peanut allergy. But you know, with a peanut... You don't eat the outside shell, right? You crack the thing, you get the little peanuts out of there, and you just go, you just blow the chaff away. This is useless. It's light. It's, uh, it's rootless. It's weightless. And it's useless. This is a pretty negative evaluation, isn't it? The difference between the thriving tree by the rivers of water and the peanut shell that you just blow away is that one delights in God and his word and his ways and the other can't be bothered. Are you like a strong tree or are you like a peanut shell? I'm just telling you, for some, on some days, I feel like a strong tree. Some days I do. Other days, I feel like a peanut shell. I'm just blown away. I don't want to be a peanut shell. I don't think you do either. The chaff. So the result then for those who do not follow, who reject God, is that they will not stand in the day of judgment. This is what the scripture says in verse 5. And let's acknowledge and be very clear that the Bible speaks about a judgment day, a day of giving account for our life. And that's why this says, therefore, because of the choices that the wicked people make to ignore God and not give him uh, time in their life, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. When the Lord's people are gathered together, they won't be there. The righteous people, that is those who've trusted Christ and uh, love him and love his word and love his ways, will stand there with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but the wicked will be taken away and excluded. So what do we do? We want to live in such a way that we're showing people who don't know Jesus yet that there's a better way to live. Not because we're so wonderful and we're so strong and all, because even in our weakness, God is strong in us. 
But it's not our perfection. It's in simple ways of blessing others and loving others and eating with them and walking with the Holy Spirit and Jesus and to see ourselves as sent people. We bring the life of Jesus out to these people. Show them how to love God and how to love his word. And of course, it's not just this word. It's the word who became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. How to love Jesus and how to love his ways, which are so much better. So the conclusion is this, that at the, in the very last work, uh, verse here, there's a parting of the ways. The Lord watches over those who love him and walk with him, his people, the righteous. Not like a big boss looking for what we're doing wrong and ready to club us with a bat or something like that, but rather as a parent protecting us, watching over us, caring for us, watching to see that we don't get off the path onto our own bent ways, but staying on the path of Jesus. And um, if you're not a strong tree yet, God tends you and cares for you and prunes for you, prunes you. And I think we're all in that growth category. He helps us get strong. And you know, that's why Forest View Church is here, to help us all to know Jesus, to meet Jesus, and to become more like Jesus, to grow strong in our Christian life. That's why we have Christian friends. That's why we're going to have covenant communities this fall, for this strengthening to be happening with us. But those who reject God will be excluded and will perish, and that is a tragedy. And I want you to know that's a tragedy in God's eyes, too. Ezekiel 33, he says this, the Lord takes no delight in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from their way and live. That's God's heart and his desire. He stands with arms wide open. And that's why we pray for people who don't know Jesus yet and live in surprising ways and tell them about Jesus. We all want what we should not want. We all think what we should not think. And we all do what we should not do. We're all bent to some degree or other. But God, in his word, desires to keep straightening us, keeping us on his path, delighting in all of his truth and his revelation and delighting in Jesus and ordering our lives, keeping our lives in alignment with Jesus and sharing this good news with others. Lord, we pray this for ourselves. We're not doing this perfectly. We want to do this more, to delight in you and in your word and in your ways and to not be um, influenced by the philosophies of the world but rather, Lord, we want to be influencers out in the world of your truth, Jesus. You are the one who fulfilled all the law and the prophets and the Psalms. And we long to be deeper connected with you and shining for you in all things. So, Lord, we thank you that as we get ready to take communion just now, we rejoice in the fact, Lord Jesus, that you are the complete revelation of God. 
You're the one who reveals to us what the Lord God Almighty really is like. And your arms are wide open in invitation. We thank you for this, Lord. And we pray that as we take this bread and as we drink this cup today, that our hearts will be wide open to you, running into your arms. And we will praise you and thank you as we do this. And we pray it with thankful hearts in Jesus' strong and powerful name.